welcome to the Moms on Maternity YouTube show and podcast. I'm Amy Cruz, and today we have on Kelly Schaefer. She's mom to four and the creator of the Concierge Academy. How are you, Kelly? Great. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So, okay, how far apart are your kids? So my kids um, are, my youngest now is 16 and my oldest is 32. Wow. <laughs> so what is that? Uh, so it's, it's 16 years. Yeah. They're 16 years apart from top to bottom. That's amazing. Bottom. Yep. And there wow. was 11 and a half years between number one and number two. Wow. Well, that's an amazing story already. Uh, anything to share in terms of the, the difference between the first set and the second set as a parent? Oh my goodness gracious. I could, uh, honestly, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Um, so the biggest difference, honestly, in my two biggest differences, uh, one, when my oldest daughter was born, um, there was not social media and cell phones did not exist then. So life was much simpler, both I think for her, uh, and for myself, right? There was not this constant, um, barrage of information. Um, and then the other side to that though, is I was a very, very young mom. Um, I was 15 when my daughter was born. I was trying um, to figure that I'm like, wow. <laughs> I know you're trying to calculate it in your head, right? You're like, <laughs> you don't look right. I always go, I was 10. Yeah. Um, so she was, uh, about six weeks old when I turned 16 wow. and, um, I was a single mom and, um, and I can share more about the story as we go into the, the interview view, but, uh, the big difference for me is as a 16 year old, I knew nothing, wow. literally knew nothing. Wow. And I didn't even have the skill sets of adulthood yet. And so between then and raising my kids now, I'm a much more, honestly, I'm more relaxed, I'm much more laid back. Um, and, and as I want to look at it, I'm more of an evolved parent, Whereas when she was a kid, I was very strict and there were a lot of rules that we had to stick to and because that's all I knew. And um, so over those years, though, I've learned that that need for control is not necessarily necessary. Um, and so those are the two biggest things I would say. Wow, what an um, inspiring parenting. story already. Um, so you started your career, your, your primary career before the Concierge Academy was you're a nurse. Yes. So um, I started, um, I graduated from nursing school in 1996 okay. um, when there was basically a job shortage. <laughs> Fabulous time to graduate nursing school. Um, but yes, so I uh, became mm -hmm. a nurse, uh, an RN in 1996. And I worked uh, from then up until 2010 when I left behind my nursing career to start my very first business before my, that business then evolved into what it is today. So, so I've been an entrepreneur since 2010. Since 2010. And how long were you a nurse total again? So I was a nurse from 1996 till 2010. 2010. So 14, That's a long 14 time. Years. So yeah. how, what made you finally decide it was time to follow your entrepreneurial dreams? 
Yeah. So entrepreneurship was nothing that I really knew of. Um, and I had worked in healthcare itself for 21 years. So 14 as a nurse, 21 in healthcare. I worked in hospitals. I worked as a nurse's aide before that, uh, as I was going to school to be a nurse, because again, I was a single mom. So I had to work. Um, that was not an option for me. Um, and so the entrepreneurial thing was just one of those things where, there was this feeling inside that I was quote unquote meant for more, but mm. I didn't know what in the world that even meant. So um, my family, they were all laborers and factory workers. Uh, most of the women uh, were um, waitresses. They all worked as wait in waitressing and the men worked in factories. And my mom worked both either in a factory or in uh, as a waitress. So this whole entrepreneurial thing was way out of my league. I had no idea. Um, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur really was. <laughs> I only knew um, that something inside was stirring this desire to do more, be more, have more, create more. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the where I worked began to stifle who I was as a human being. Um, so we all have like this story of wanting to break out of the chains of, you know, corporate America. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that's what corporate America even was. Again, that's all I knew. Um, but what I did know is that I, I loved my job and I loved what I did, but every day that I was going to my job, as much as I loved my patients and what I did, um, there was something that was sucking my soul. And so I started to ask questions of myself, of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm. Um, and I was shocked by the answers that I gave myself. Wow. So I, let's keep going. What, what answer did you give yourself? Uh, so the answer I gave myself was, I have no idea because I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> I what literally- you, you had so was... many skills at the time. Okay, so that's why I wanted to bring that up because I know that your listeners are moms. And so I'm here to tell you, you have skill sets that you mm -hmm. are innately good at, but I did not think uh, or realize that any, that I had skill sets. So I literally would say to myself, I don't know how to do or be anything other than take care of people. I have no skills other than being able to take care of people. I can take care of people. I really can manage a household. Like I used to joke around and say I was Mary Poppins because I love to have my house organized, cleaned, meal planning, having all the things done. I would watch other friends and moms um, not have that same lifestyle where they could relax at the end of the day. I'm like, yeah, I've been done since 4 p.m. Right. Wow. So I, but I didn't think that was a skill set. I just thought, um, I only knew how to take care of people. And I didn't. So I want to back up a little bit to this idea of something you just said around break the chains of corporate America. Where did you come up with that metaphor? Um, I don't know. I think just since being in the entrepreneurial world, most people want to leave corporate corporate America, because they feel like they're like, to me, it feels like you're chained in, like you can't be all you want to be, whether it's your personality, whether it's just the way you think. Mm -hmm. uh, so in nursing, like I had to stick to, of course, we had to stick to rules and so forth, because that's how we kept patients alive. But to be able to have like your own creative thought, like, I think I can make this work better mm -hmm. over here by doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Like, that was not allowed. Okay. And, totally can resonate with that. Yep. That yeah. makes sense. 
So how long did it take to get your business off the ground after leaving nursing? So um, I am a creature of control and habit. I like things to be a certain way. So I was like, I can't leave my job until I start my business. And then I was stuck in this. I can't leave, start my business until I leave my job. So I think it was in about August of 2010. That's such a common problem. I get questions all the time. Like, should I leave my job? Like, I really want to focus on my side business. What should I do? So keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think everybody, it's an individual decision for every person based on, um, their, their willingness to go all in on the business. Cause deciding to start a business and going all in and getting paying clients, there is a gap there, right. And being prepared for that gap of, I open my doors. Yay. Where are all the clients at? Right. right? Yeah. There's, there is a gap there that you have to be prepared for. And so I honestly, that really depends on your financial abilities as well. Like, are you going to starve if you don't bring money in next month? That would not be the right decision to just hop out of your job. You know, a lot of people can start businesses and um, start it as a side hustle. And then as you develop the skills and mm-hmm. the honestly proven track record where you're getting paying clients, as that starts to move forward, then I think it's like rip off the bandaid and just dive all in. But everybody has to make those decisions based on, um, really what fits their lifestyle as so well. So you started your business while you were still nursing and what was it? Yes and no. Okay. So I, I left my job in August of 2010 um, when I had had the idea. So I had the idea and my first business was a personal concierge business. So here's where I took my love of taking care of people and being a mom and basically came up with a concept of running errands for people in my local community. That's, that was my business. um, TaskRabbit kind of took that big time, right? The idea? Uh, TaskRabbit did. Yeah. So TaskRabbit does it through like people bid for it and that sort of thing. Mine was me doing the work, right? um, so your I business, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was my business and I was the one doing the work. Yeah. So I was helping busy people. I was helping seniors stay in their homes longer. I took my skill sets from nursing and being a mom and started doing stuff for people. That's cool. Really, that was my business concept. And, and you were so, happy and you enjoyed that? it and you were happy. Oh like my, I loved it. I, Absolutely loved it because I could juggle things. I had my own schedule, never had to ask for weekends off, never had to work nights, never had to um, get permission to take off Christmas. I remember years working Christmas, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, all the holidays. No longer did I have to do that. So powerful. Mm -hmm. So powerful to take that back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was my first business. So I left my job August of 2010. And in October, I started working on the website. And by December, I had, um, I had formulated my LLC. I think I got my first paying client in November. And then in December, I became uh, a legitimate LLC. I did all the, you know, little bit of paperwork that was required of that. And um, by December, that December, I started, um, I had like one or two paying clients. And then over the next several months, um, I got out, I learned how to become a business owner, all the things that you don't know when you have a job, you don't know what it's like to have a business. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot of, I know. I always there. tell people that who leave corporate America, like 
I envy you because you still have a little bit of that corporate America edge, but you still got a little bit of room to grow as like a biz entrepreneur because there is a big jump. Yeah. So I talk about there are two. So um, to when you have a job, you are the technician, right? You go to work and you do the job, right? That's your job. You go to work, you clock in, you do the thing. And most people start businesses because they want to learn how they want to do a thing right? They want to be the technician, but without the confines and the structure of quote unquote, the job or corporate, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is that you have to have different skill sets than knowing how to be the technician. You have to be a technician, but to actually make money, you have to have what I call the CEO mentality. So you have to think like a CEO, which is, you know, how to get clients, how to you know, charge for your services, how you're going to get yourself out there, all the things that you are required to do that will bring paying clients in that you don't have to do when you are just the technician. So it's, it is a learning curve and um, it's the biggest, it's the biggest, um, I think, thing that you have to learn. Like, because you already have the skill set, you already know how to do the thing, right? Like I already knew how to run errands. I knew already knew how to organize closets. I already knew how to take care of seniors, but I didn't know how to go out and get strangers basically to pay me to do those things. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, and, and it's, it, there's so many different ways to even approach sales that figuring out is, you know, what type of revenue model is this like something where you want to really build a relationship first, or do you try to, you know, is it a lower ticket? Is there so many different considerations? So there? many variables. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a really great speaker too, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You're very like animated and charismatic. Um, get it for video. Um, so how did, so what, how did you end up now at the concierge Academy from your personal services business? Yes. So, um, in that first, it took me about two years. So the first two years, I kind of, I didn't dabble. Like I went full in. I figured if I was working 36 hours a week as a nurse, I was going to work 36 hours in my business. What happened was I didn't really have that many clients in the beginning. So you have more time than you have clients. So I put all of that available time. A lot of people will just like kind of like wing it. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to figure this out. So I put basically 36 hours a week of learning how to be a business owner into the business. So it took me about two years till um, I built up such a client base that I needed to hire my first person. And then within months, I hired the next person. That's cool. Next person. Congrats, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So within five years, um, I went from being me to having eight employees, cool, and, which was really fun because I got everybody that worked for me, except for one, um, were all moms. And what city is this in? Uh, so it's not even in a city. It's in the suburbs of uh, Philadelphia. It's okay. called Bucks, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Ooh. And yeah, so, um, so that, that happened over a course of like five years doing all of that. But then also at the same time, because I had such a big marketing presence, I became a prolific marketer. I actually eat, breathe and sleep marketing. I love marketing so much. Um, and so people started recognizing me for my marketing before they were even recognizing me for my services. 
So what had happened was I ended up becoming, so I wanted to be, after running the errands for years, um, I decided that I really wanted to be the CEO. So I pulled myself out of the delivery of the services and focused on just the growth of the company. I didn't want to have a side hustle. I wanted to have a company. And so that's when I really was able to um, hire faster because Mm -hmm. I was the CEO. I was the marketer bringing clients in a lot faster. And hiring people to take care well, so of. So yeah, I mean, I, I've always resonated with the quote, you know, you want to work on your business, not in your business. Correct. As, as the CEO. However, you just said that you also led marketing. So do you consider marketing a role of a CEO? Well, the role of the CEO is to figure out what kind of marketing works, and then there are levels of. Um, levels within the business. So in the beginning, I had done all my marketing myself, but then I brought somebody in and I had an assistant and I trained her how to do the marketing. Mm -hmm. So which, right. So, but there's a progression to that. It doesn't just happen overnight. Totally. I I completely, completely agree with you and resonate with that. Yeah. What would you say, why were you being recognized as a good marketer? Because I was everywhere. I was everywhere, uh, you know, prolific as they would say. Like where Um, were you? What's that? Where were you, for example, when you say you were everywhere? So I had a social media presence. I have been on the news. I've been in local newspapers dozens of times. I've been a t- I'm a 10-time award winner locally. Um, I was a author. Um, oh, yeah. We, just, what did you write? I have. A, uh, so my first three books that I was part of, um, it was part of a trilogy series um, that I was a co-writer. So there were 30 mm-hmm. of us, I think in each book somewhere like that. I forget it's been years now where I contributed a chapter to each book. Mm-hmm. So that had, you know, that had a big, um, yeah, that's great. I, I, well. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so now what does the concierge Academy do? And I guess you said that it was officially launched at what year? Uh, so technically I started coaching. So what happened is other people who wanted to build businesses like mine, they do every, what everybody else says, they go to Google and they say concierge Mm -hmm. services. And so I would pop up in a lot of people's feeds. And so people started reaching out to me from all over the country saying, how did you do this? How did you get clients? How are you pricing? How, How are you doing this marketing? Are you paying somebody to do your marketing? And all these questions started coming to me. And so literally in 2014, on a Friday afternoon, I blasted some music. I popped a cold beer and I pulled out my sticky notepad and I wrote down all the things that I wish I had known when I started my business. Yeah. And one thing at a time, I wrote it down on this little sticky note and I put it all over my wall and then I rearranged them so that they all yeah. made sense. Yeah. And then I started helping people and doing group programs where people would um, hire me as their business coach mm-hmm. and I would help them set up businesses. It's not a franchise. So do you, do you help people with any business or do you really focus in on people that want to do like that personal services, concierge service? So my, I can help anybody with any business, but my niche really is people who are offering personal services mm-hmm. locally. Those are that the people sense. I yeah. resonate with. Those are the people I love to death. Um, because it's people who like to take care of others. And one of my, no, I mean, honestly, I hired someone like that. Um, when I was moving, she had a card up at the local print coffee shop and it was like person. And I was like, I need you to like, help me go and get my house stock. Cause I just moved and I need like the target runs and this run and this run and this run. And she was 
absolutely incredible. Yes, exactly. really managed getting ever the furniture here, all the toilet paper, everything we need. All the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like having a wife. It was great. Um, yes. so that's cool. So um, so then you basically are a business coach now. That's how you spend most of your time. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's done via one-on-one consulting or no, I don't do any one-on-one. We have uh, group cr- programs exclusively mm-hmm. um, because uh, I did one-on-one for a few years when I was balancing both both businesses at the same time. Um, I did a lot, I, a little bit of one-on-one here and there, but what I realized is that everybody that was doing one-on-one, they were all asking the same questions and it's yeah. everything that I put on those post-its and those sticky notes. So I created... Um, I created two programs since then. Um, they've morphed over the years. Um, Where, how do you deliver them? Like how would someone sign up for it? Yeah, so we only open doors for registration. Uh, we have what we call the fully booked business club. We open that once a quarter and our 100K club, we only open uh, twice a year. Um, so that's how we run our, our group programs because this mm-hmm. way people are doing it in a group because again, people do better when they're in a group. So then don't you have a ton of extra time on your hands? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of enjoying life now a little more. Kind of not um, definitely, definitely enjoying life uh, a, a little bit more. Um, I was able to, from my business, uh, mm-hmm. we built a beach house about four years ago. Congratulations. And so I have the luxury and ability to go back and forth. It's about three and a half hours from here. Where, so on the East Coast? Here. Yeah. On the East coast. Yep. And so I can go back and forth however many times a year that I want. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the stuff that you've said on the call that I, it really resonates, I think with, with me at least is this idea of, um, you know, as a CEO, you are responsible ultimately for making the business viable. And so much of that is around, um, paying clients or revenue generation and, and really, you know, do you have, I mean, for your clients that are in the space and niche you're in, do you say if you haven't been able to close something by this date or like how, like a estimated rule of thumb on that? Um, I don't have an estimated rule of thumb because it's really, so here's what I'd like to say about that. So in our industry, 75% of people in our industry make less than $25,000 a year. It's a cold, hard fact because they want to be technicians. But for those who want to be CEOs and make more money, people who've gone through my program, 75% make over $50,000 within 12 months because of the process that I teach them. Um, The thing that's really important though is knowing as long as you are still just taking steps forward, that it will work. So anybody who's listening here, if you've started a business, just know that there's, there's a, a symbolism that I like to use all the time. It's called the boomerang and the rubber band. So most people go out when they start businesses and they treat their business and everything that they do in their business like a rubber band. Rubber band is a snapback, right? So for example, if you are whatever, whatever business you're in and you want to go out and you go, okay, I have to network, right? So networking is one of the core marketing philosophies that is necessary to build a business, right? So you go out and you network, whatever networking is, you go to network. And most people think I go network, I get a client. 
I go network, I get a client. That is not how it works, my friends. <laughs> it is not how it works. Marketing works like a boomerang, as does the law of the universe works like a boomerang. You do your marketing and you throw it out like a boomerang. So you go to your networking and you let the boomerang just fly and you wait for it to come back. Everything that you do, all energy that you put out in your marketing efforts always comes back to you tenfold. The problem is most people are looking for an immediate response and an immediate um, uh, client, and that's just not how it works. So making so much money within a certain amount of time, it really depends on how much time commitment you're also willing to give to it. So people will start my program and they'll be like, yeah, I want to make $150,000 in my first year in business. I'm like, great. Uh, you can do that, but you also have to be willing to put in the amount of effort and work that it's going to take to create that. And a lot yeah. of times there's not a uh, value to income uh, match, right? So they put in 20K of value into building the business, expecting to get out 100K. So there has to be a match. And as once that match happens, it just explodes. What's the, wait, so what would be the match? The match. So if you want a $50,000 business, you've got to be putting $50,000 worth of value oh, out into the world. It's an actual match. I see. It's a match. Then, and so yeah. you're breaking even then. So then there has to be a point where, yeah, but I don't mean financially. It's not oh, a financial time energy. value. It's your time. It's your personal energy. How yeah. many people are you impacting? Right. That's cool. So if you go to a networking event and you think you're going to get a client out of it, that's not the right approach. You go to a networking to be a value to the people. No, I like that. Them. I like that the boomerang is a, is pretty evocative. I like that. Yeah. So I know, obviously it seems like, like the vast majority of the value in the program is really teaching you how to be a kick-ass local marketer. Yes. So 80-20 rule, which may or may yep. not apply, but if there's one secret tactic in your course that you're willing to share that people can get the most value from, what would it be? Local marketing. Uh, marketing, the biggest thing local you need to do. Right? Yeah, the biggest thing you need mm -hmm. to do and you need to learn how to do is go meet as many people as possible and tell them what it is that you do. That's simple. Yeah, I mean, I guess in COVID times, has that gotten harder? Uh, so yes and no. So what's interesting is last year during COVID, I had um, a lot of people in my industry either afraid to open their doors or they were gonna close their doors, which mm -hmm. I dove in like 500%. Yeah. And I was like, no, you're not doing that. So networking is very different. Okay. So networking people always think like an in-person and honestly, what happened in COVID business has to happen no matter what. So what happens is they brought networking online. Yeah. So networking people have to stop thinking of it as, as a specific linear um, exchange. Mm -hmm. And there is a variety of ways to network. And so networking was happening online. And honestly, it made it easier for the people to network because let's say you're networking group, your chamber of commerce, your BNI or whatever it is that you go to is 45 minutes away. And it's 45 minutes back. That's an hour and a half of your time. Yeah. That you just got mm -hmm. back. Yeah. So you take that hour and a half and you go and you show up on another online networking event. Yeah. COVID there's never an excuse, whatever problems happen in your business, you just have to solve for the problems. Cool. Well, that's a great tip. Yeah. I mean, networking events, definitely always something very powerful. Well, this has been a really fun conversation and I understand yeah. why you do so well at events because you are so charismatic. So do you think that has a 
obviously, is that part of learning how to be good at networking events? So my very first networking event, I tell my students all the time, um, I parked my mom van under the lights of a, uh, of the, in the parking lot and I puked outside my car. Oh my God, you're so <laughs> Because I had no idea. And I entered a room that had over 150 other business owners. You were that nervous? You really puked? Oh yeah, yeah. I hate speaking in public. Um, yeah, it's not my favorite wow. thing to do, yeah. but I've gotten over okay. it and out of my own way. Yeah. And um it's the skill that I had, the skill you have to learn is to just be willing to talk about what it is that you do. And when you're passionate about what you do, Mm -hmm. you can't help, but just talk about it. So those first networking events, I did it all wrong again. Right. I did the thing where I was showing up with my business card saying, here, let me go, you know, do this for you. And that is not how you network, but I didn't know that because I didn't have anybody teaching me. That's so so interesting. Yeah, this idea of being like passionate about what you do and wanting to talk about it. Um, Because a lot of times like people like, so like, what do you do? Sometimes you're just like, oh, I just don't feel like talking about work right now. But that is that, you know, that's bad. You always want to be talking about work then. I don't know. I feel like that's interesting. Yeah. Why would you not want to talk about it? Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. If you ever find yourself like, oh, I don't feel like talking about my work right now. Maybe that's a sign that you're off your path a little bit, right? perhaps, or, or you've been hustling too hard. So a lot of people try to solve their problems, especially in business or even in your life, right? We try to solve our problems through hustle yeah. and it's mm-hmm. hustling does not actually solve your problems. It just keeps you in a cycle of hustle. Uh, the thing that gets you out of hustling is just having better quality thoughts and thinking things through at a higher level. Um, and when you think at a higher level, then you can still accomplish what you need to get done without that hustle. Yeah. And I think, um, I think with moms in general, we've been told, I know my mom, you know, she came from the generation where they were like the first generation who were told they could have it all. And, you know, and then that trickles down onto us, how we can have, we can really have it all right with the money too. And the, and the husbands and the hot husbands and the well-behaved kids, and we can all have it all. And, but at a cost, right? So there's always been this like cost association with having it all because of how we've been told to get it. Um, But you can have it all. It just, our all looks a little bit different. And the way we get there is by thinking a little bit more strategically. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of slow. You got to slow down. You can't, I think that's the course, right? Of course. And there's, cool. really, there's literally no reason why you can't, you know, look, I've been there. I started my, my youngest when I started my business was not quite five yet. And I would literally drop him off at preschool. Well, so how many years networking did you event. say it took you till you felt like you were successful? Well, successful is a mindset. Mm-hmm. It is. So mindset, I probably yeah. didn't think I was successful until probably six months ago, <laughs> but I've been <laughs> successful yeah. in this. Well, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this is so, awesome. so the website is the conciergeacademy.com. Is that right? Yeah. The conciergeacademy.com. Oh, cool. this is awesome. Any final words for the moms out there? <sighs> Let's see. What do I want to say? There was something that was uh, popping up for me. Um, The thing I want to just say to the moms is that you have value and worth no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you were working inside or outside of the home, 
and that everything is available to you. You just have to be willing to believe that you can have it. That's it. Beautiful. You're so so awesome. Thank you, Kelly, so much. We enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Bye. Bye. For more, please visit www.momsofmaternity.com.